Welcome to episode 94, everyone. Before we get into the interview with Trial CEO Hadil Espa, I would like to share with you all that I was recently selected to be the chair of the Hyperledger Foundation Healthcare Special Interest Group. As chair, I will lead and facilitate biweekly meetings with industry professionals who have varying degrees of knowledge about blockchain and DLTs in healthcare. The Hyperledger Foundation is an open source collaborative effort created to advance cross-industry blockchain technologies, and it's hosted by the Linux Foundation. I encourage all of you to join our meetings every other Wednesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time Zone. I'll include a link in the show notes to register for the event series. We'll discuss industry news, announcements, and topics related to the intersection of Web3 and health. It's also a great way to network with like-minded people eager to make decentralized health a reality. On this episode, Hadil Espa talks to us about Trial, a digital clinical platform based in the Netherlands. Trial is aiming to use blockchain and self-sovereign identity technologies to secure clinical trial data and promote system interoperability. The clinical research space is desperately in need of better solutions, especially as many clinical trials are increasingly becoming conducted virtually to some degree. As more devices and digital apps become available in the market, remote-based clinical trials will generate even more patient data that need to be securely shared with researchers. Trial is certainly not the only Web3 company focusing on improving clinical trials documentation, but it is one of the earlier ones, founded in 2018, just after the ICO craze. I really enjoyed my chat with Hadil, and I hope you all enjoy this episode. Remember, the Health Unchained podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only, and we are not providing any sort of legal, financial, or medical advice. Please do your own research and due diligence before making any important decisions related to these matters. And now, let's get to the show. Hi, I'm your host, Ray Dogan, and welcome to Health Unchained. On this show, I will be speaking with healthcare entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and executives who are using blockchain technologies to revolutionize healthcare. These innovators are building the distributed infrastructure and diverse communities required for a trusted, secure, and decentralized healthcare ecosystem. Enjoy the show. What is blockchain? What is blockchain? The doctor will see you now. Welcome to Health Unchained. Our guest today is Hadil S. Sabai, President and Executive Director of Trial. It's a clinical trials management solution all run on the blockchain. So we'll be talking about how that works, how Hadil's career has led him to this path, and also some of the challenges that he's been facing in this adventure called blockchain and healthcare. So Hadil, thank you for joining the show. We can get started maybe with a brief background about yourself. Yeah, sure. Thanks so much, Ray, for having me on your podcast. I've been looking at many, many episodes and I'm super excited to be here myself today. Awesome. So my name is Hadil Espai. I studied analytical chemistry at the Free University of Amsterdam more than two decades ago. And since then, started a career in the clinical research services industry. I assumed different roles with pharma companies, biotech companies, but also clinical contract research organizations are really the service side of things, both here in the Netherlands, where our main office of trial is based, but also abroad in Europe and also in the U.S., for a while. And uh, yeah, like you said, I'm uh, one of the co-founders of Trial and I'm the CEO. So it's uh, super nice to be here again. That's awesome. Um, it sounds like you have a lot of experience in clinical trials in different places of the world, which means you know about the regulations and how it could be a little bit different in different places. So that's definitely good background. 
How did you first hear about blockchain technology? Yeah, so there was this was back in 2017. And there was one of my colleagues who's also a co-founder now, who was very much into the crypto scene, following all the things that were happening there. And he just could not stop talking about, you know, crypto world and, and, and all the interesting attributes that, for instance, the technology like blockchain had. And it took me a while to really get into it and understand a little more about the attributes, right? What blockchain was all about to take away the hype. I think that was existing at that moment in time and start thinking about how we could use some of this technology to solve some of the, we call it persistent industry pain points yeah, that we have. So real problems that clinical research professionals have to deal with on a daily basis. Yeah. So soon thereafter, we decided to bring uh, together a team of, of clinical research professionals. I've been an entrepreneur since 2006. I've incorporated several life science service companies along the way. So I was able to go to my research friends here and get together the blockchain experts in, in, under one roof, basically. And then we started this brainstorming, which led to our first product, which is a document management system. And uh, fast forward, we're now here today where, where we're building an end-to-end -end platform that includes uh, a range of blockchain integrated e-clinical solutions. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. And you mentioned how you were looking to use blockchain to solve some of the persistent problems that are plaguing the industry. So can you share some of the, those major problems and then dive into how that formed the vision for the company? Yeah, sure. So I think there are basically two themes, right? So first of all, is the theme of data integrity. It is uh, extremely important that all the data that we generate throughout the life cycle of a clinical trial, that we trust that data. And that is transparent, that is meeting all kinds of requirements, like regulatory requirements, quality requirements, but also that we respect the patient's well-being, safety, and their rights. So that's really our first theme, and I'll be happy to dive into that a little more. The second theme is really comes down to the operations. We have seen a big interoperability problem whereby as clinical trials, if you want to conduct a clinical trial or a clinical study, then it is a very multidisciplinary and a complex system or process. Yeah, you have to deal with a sponsor on one hand, you have to deal with a regulator, you have to deal with a clinical trial site, you have to deal with a patient and all around dealing with sensitive data, all around dealing with data that leads to conclusions about safety efficacy yeah, of medicine. So you want to make sure that you have a seamless process of all these stakeholders being able to exchange data in a secure way, in a timely way, and also where it's fast and cost-effective. So this interoperability problem is really the second theme that we've identified as, as being a big problem, again, next to data integrity. So if you look at, at these two themes, then this led us to creating this digital ecosystem that interconnects, you know, all these parties and, and systems and in bringing everybody together, we want to streamline clinical development activities and, and then shorten the time to market to make sure that we get access to medicines and innovations that we need so badly. Right. And you've developed, like you mentioned, a few different products over the years to address those specific problems. Can you share more about those products in, in some more detail, and then kind of just gives the audience an understanding of what's needed for this all to work together. 
Sure. So in the past years, we first of all laid a foundation for a tokenized platform with a range of blockchain integrated software solutions. But we started back in the summer of uh, 2019, building this uh, document management system that had blockchain functionalities and capabilities integrated into it. And I'll be happy to explain a little more. And this was really accredited as the world's first implementation of blockchain in a real running clinical trial. So we were pretty proud of that, that we got to that point. From that moment on, we've really been testing our Varial ETMAP solution, which is a document management system. And you can imagine that in a clinical trial, it is very important that we document everything, right? We want to be sure, sure that we create this immutable audit trail uh, that basically tells the whole story. Uh, when Once you get to the moment where you have to talk to a regulator and explain what you investigated, how you did it, who was involved, or what was what's worse, the results of that. So document management is really like the backbone for clinical trials. That's the reason why we started with this document management solution. On top of that, and, and, and we fairly uh, recently uh, launched our partnership with Crucial Data Solutions. Uh, and we're super excited about that because the, they've brought our roadmap light years ahead because they already have a validated ecosystem of all these clinical trial functions that we wanted to build ourselves. But as we don't want to reinvent the wheel within trial, we were looking for the ideal partner where we could basically innovate on top of our e-clinical suite and add our blockchain enabled functions. Who is that partner? Uh, Did you say Crucial? Crucial Breakout Solutions. Yeah. US-based group. Very entrepreneurial and, and a great team over there. Their ecosystem has managed, I think, more than 7,000 clinical trials. It's being used by many, many users from the clinical research field, from academics to pharma companies and biotech companies. So we wanted to innovate on top of something that has already been validated rather than building those, those functionalities uh, ourselves. So I was looking at the white paper and some of the products include the trial hub, the Athena PRM. Can you just describe a little bit about that and who's the main users of those products? So the trial hub is basically a collection eh, of all kinds of, 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 of functionalities. And it starts with, with tools that help you to keep oversight eh, of a clinical trial, tools that help you to gather data with so data management solutions, but also the tools that help with patient recruitment eh? or, or, or patient retention. Because one of the big problems in clinical research today is to make sure that we find the right patients. Right. And once we find the right patients, that we give them the information they need. And also that throughout the life cycle of the clinical trial, they were able to effectively communicate with them. Right? And we want to make sure that... Engaged. Sure. Absolutely. And then patient engagement... Or patient centricity is something that you know that 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 our industry has been paying a lot of attention to. Um, so everybody is obviously trying to match eh, the right medicine eh, with the ones who need it most. Other functionalities that we've built is more like a clinical research marketplace, which is the Athena platform, and there we really want to bring investigators together who are working on an innovative medicine. We want to connect them with, with, with patients here who may be needing that as part of treatment of their disease and also link that with service providers, right? Who can 
offer their services or support the development of those medicines. But that's, I think, still a, a little uh, ahead. But it gives you this idea that we're re really looking at using blockchain as part of a larger ecosystem. There is so much innovation, so much exciting innovation going on in our space, also with blockchain and with life science in general, that we're really opening our doors and you know inviting everybody who is innovating in this space to at least join us. So the idea that building one product with one blockchain enabling functionality, that's not going to solve the problem, right? Because the problem is so complex. So we think that if we collaborate or turn our competitors into collaborators, collaborators, as we like to say, you know, that that's where we really can make a difference. Definitely. And I think the ethos behind blockchain and decentralization is very focused on collaboration. So I think it's a very common kind of approach and it works, I think, in this space. You talked about patient recruitment and retention. I think that's very important in this space. So using your platform, are patients able to directly find clinical trials that might match to them? Or how does that work as from a patient's perspective, if they wanted to use your platform? Yeah, that, that's a very, very good question. Indeed, it's all about patient centricity. So the first answer is really, it needs to be patient-friendly. So all our functionalities, the products that we will be building in collaboration with, with crucial data solutions, you will be able to run them on your iPhone. Okay? You'll be able to work with that, enter data if you're having to complete a questionnaire, for instance, or if, if you have to manage how many pills you took that day and how you're feeling, all the data can be entered through your own phone. And this is a very big at first step okay, to make sure that we facilitate clinical research outside the classical hospital. So we think yeah. that clinical research in the future will be done more and more from your own home. And we've also seen that in the pandemic, that was really a big problem where we could not always guarantee the continuation of a clinical trial because the clinical trial sites were often limited in terms of accessibility or the investigators, they had to make tough choices. So this, this mobile centered way of working, I think is, is, is a, it's a big theme that is driving the development of the products. The other element is really, and maybe the informed consent process is a good example there. So that is basically where the journey of a patient starts with the clinical trial. All right. So I'm not sure if you have ever participated in a cl clinical trial or if one of your friends or loved one has, but the first thing that you'll notice is you'll get this informed consent form, eh, which can be quite lengthy. It can be a little difficult to understand sometimes for a layman person eh, where the objectives of the study are described, you know, what you have to do when you have to show up, how much blood you need to give, how and when your risks and the benefits, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the problems with that informed consent form is it has to be completed by the patient and the investigator be before the study can start, right? So you need to be able to, you need to be able to demonstrate that this has really happened. Otherwise you run towards ethical risks, right? You don't want to start a study before you've completed that form or signed it off. And this is really where blockchain can help, right? By logging the informed consent form through a process, through a hashing process, right? Where you have this informed consent form, but it can be another document, it can be another format, can even be an image. You run that through a computational algorithm you get this uh, fixed length hash code. And this is really a unique identifier for your informed consent. And this uh, unique identifier is then being logged on the blockchain. 
in a way where it's privacy preserving, right? So you will never know through this hash code, whether it's an informed consent or for who this is, because you want to make sure that it's privacy preserving and it's in compliance with all the regulatory equality and regulations that we have to follow. But this way you create an immutable trail of when this informed consent form was completed. Is there a, for the informed consent, do patients have the ability to granularly, granularly select which data that they are okay with sharing, or is it kind of an all in one, you share everything or nothing? That's a great question because that's really the next question that we're asking ourselves. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's really where, where we're also blockchain can play a big part. Uh, think about your own data is like a vault, right? where you can indeed selectively disclose which information you, know, you make accessible to which party, also when, and also being able to really revoke that consent when, when you want to, right. and really be owner of your own data. So absolutely, this is also something that we're actively looking to build. And then the ultimate product will be, again, something, an informed consent that you can complete on your phone, yeah, or wherever, it does not need to be in a paper-based form uh, where we used to do it. And if in a way where it's secure and you exactly know which kind of data you've provided access to which party and when. And we, we think that these type of technologies really help uh, with patient engagement. Yes. Like you mentioned. The other aspect is really the monitoring, right? The independent monitoring of clinical trial data and processes. Uh, and that's a big part of the clinical services industry now where we have monitors having to go to a clinical trial site, they have to do so-called source data verification, right? Where they need to see this paper-based informed consent form being signed by the investigator and by the patient and write a report about that, that yes, there are actually originals there and then giving the green light for that patient to start. So. Through using blockchain, we can de-risk a lot of those activities and make a lot of operations basically void. Yeah. And it, like you said, it's an audit trail as well. So it helps regulators sort of become more comfortable and it saves money and time for a lot of these extra activities people don't have to do anymore because it'll all be verified on a blockchain. So that makes sense to me. Let's dive in a little bit into the technology stack that you've used to build on the platform. Like what kind of blockchain protocol are you using for consensus uh, mechanism are you employing? Can you discuss a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So I'm not a blockchain engineer or expert. Um, or, or, or Keep it high level. <laughs> Niels Klopp is the best person for that. But we anchor our data uh, basically on the LTO network, which is one of our larger blockchain protocols out there and also on Accumulate. So the former Factum protocol, but we're really blockchain agnostic. Uh, we can anchor our data on many other blockchains as well. Is the reason you chose those because maybe they have faster transaction times? Do you know how you reached that decision? Sure. So our, our CTO has been closely involved in both blockchains. And so I, that's the main reason, right? You always look in your own network and see where you can leverage blockchain expertise versus clinical research expertise. And again, I think that this is an emerging technology. And you see that we really have the role of, on one hand, being an innovator in our space, but also an educator. 
Sure. So that means that we need to bridge the gap. We see ourselves as translational agents where this blockchain technology and attributes and what you can do with it, where it adds value to, to, to clinical research services. This is an ongoing, you know, learning curve, but we see that we really have a good momentum now because of the pandemic eh, that we've sure. had in the past two years. You see a lot of innovation barriers just going away. How many trials have been run on the platform or added to the platform since its inception? I think we are currently operating four or five clinical trials. And with our collaboration with CDS, where we're not only able to you know, offer the document management solution, right? Because that's where uh, the one I'm referring to, but really the broad range of end-to-end clinical research functionalities, I really expect this, this to take this year. We've been talking to big pharma companies, leading academic institutes. So, so watch this space for very exciting news soon. So I sure. really take this to, to hit off quickly this year. Yeah. And I know it could be a challenge to incentivize sponsors or pharma companies to add trials to any platform, really. You know, they usually have partners and have already established methods of working. So, you know, working with a startup to share their trial, you might find someone in their innovative groups willing to to test it out. But in general, it's very challenging. There's so many risks that they think about in big pharma. They don't like taking risks. What tactics have you used to convince or incentivize pharma companies to add trials? Yeah. So I think you, you've hit the nail on the head. So the theme, if you do clinical development in general, it is risk mitigation, right? And that has led to, you know, to, to, to heavy, heavily regulated activities or in what some, some may say our line of work is sometimes over-regulated. Right. It's all to, you know, to minimize the risk as much as possible. What we have been doing is we've really been explaining the attributes of blockchain, right? To pharma companies, biotech companies, contract research organizations, or really the services area and also investigators. And together with identify the pain points that they experience and then explain how blockchain could solve this. What you see these days is that. Uh, and I think the, the whole COVID-19 pandemic was really, was really ex- exemplary for this, is that everybody is thinking about how you manage and operate a clinical trial in a very different way prior to two, three years ago. And the theme is, how can we make sure that we continue our clinical operations in a hybrid form, meaning partly have the patients still go to the, to the site versus do it at home versus really having virtual clinical trials where the investigator uses, for instance, telemedicine, telehealth applications, and is able to manage and follow the patients from their own, you know, uh, home, homely setting. And in this paradigm shift, where the power of the sponsor is really being moved uh, to the patients again, being in power, literally, it just takes a different technology mindset. And I think that blockchain can really help this paradigm shift that has happened because of, again, the COVID-19 pandemic. What you also see is that clinical research are becoming more and more digital. We're using more and more sources to generate data. Again, wearables, eh, your phone, you know, other collection repositories. You need to bring everything together. So, and also making it very costly and complex. So everybody is looking to streamline their clinical research activities in a way 
where you can basically do more research for the same euro or dollar. So this incentive is already there. I think it has been, again, the whole pandemic has, has, has really made everybody think, rethink the way they operate their clinical trials, what kind of systems they use. And trial is basically making use of that momentum and say, we know what you want to do. We know where the future is going to be. Again, digitalization, clinical research being done from patients whole. This is how we think would be the best way moving forward. We've also have, I think, I'm very proud of that. A lot of advisors from big pharma, biotech, and the CRO space who are advising us on what industry pay points they see. And together with them, we're developing these blockchain-based APIs. At the end of the day, you'll always need to prove that your technology, you have to compare that with the classical way of working, right? You need to have this head-to-head comparison. And we're working on that as we speak to really come with metrics, key performance indicators. And what we've learned is that once you introduce an emerging technology like blockchain, people tend to check out sometimes. So they're really uh, interested in what it can do for them rather than the technology. Yes, I've had similar experience when you start talking about blockchain, people sort of tune out, like you said, because it's overwhelming in a way because it impacts so many parts of the business. But one thing you mentioned is how important data privacy is for the patient and empowering the patient to own their data as well. And one thing that all companies have to complete in Europe, if they're going to be collecting data, is the data privacy impact assessment has trial completed that impact assessment. What have you learned from that? And what do you think about the industry from the privacy perspective overall? So we have our own quality and compliance manager on board Mm -hmm. uh, who is looking into the quality and regulatory requirements. And of course, we want to make sure that we're compliant uh, there. Uh, Because if you're not compliant, then the industry is not going to embrace you as a new technologies for obvious reasons. I think you're absolutely right that data privacy, especially if we're dealing with such sensitive information eh, about the patient's condition, well-being, you want to make sure that you have zero mistakes there or zero rooms for error. And I think going back to the hashing concept, right, which is really underlying and it's a privacy-preserving mechanism where, again, we have these hashes that live on a blockchain, unique identifiers, for specific patient information, like an informed consent form, right? Uh, But it can also be a a document for a study, like a study protocol. We never store privacy-sensitive information in the blockchain. This is very important. And again, with through our collaboration with CDS, who already have a validated and quality-compliant system, right, we'll make sure that, that also from a a privacy and a quality compliance perspective, uh, we will be compliant with, with what, for instance, the EMA wants to see or the FDA or any other uh, regulatory uh, body. This is for us at the core of everything that we do. Quality and compliance by design, for sure. The health data won't be stored on a blockchain directly. And, Correct. And you'll be using Crucial Data Solutions as your partner to store that data on a cloud system in a way. Is that the intention? or Correct. Yes. Okay. And then have the hash redirect the location of that data for access by the patient when they need it via a private key or some sort of method. Yes. Yeah, okay. that's correct. 
Welcome to the Health Unchained News Corner. The largest health insurance company, United Health Group, is getting sued by the state of Louisiana for inflating drug prices and taking advantage of Medicaid. Although this story has nothing to do with blockchain or Web3 technologies directly, it has everything to do with misaligned incentives and opaque business practices. One of the major features of blockchain technology is greater transparency, which enables clear accountability from companies, especially when they are taking excess money from taxpayers. In a lawsuit filed in the 19th Judicial District Court in East Baton Rouge Parish on April 13, 2022, Attorney General Jeff Landry alleged United Health Group was paid more money from the state because its Medicaid-managed care and pharmacy benefit management business arms gave it a perverse incentive structure to balance its medical loss ratio. State and federal laws require that insurers spend a certain portion of every premium dollar on patient care through MLRs. MLRs, or medical loss ratio, is a measure of the percentage of premium dollars that a health plan spends on actual medical claims and quality improvements versus the money they spend on administrative costs. By allegedly overcharging the state for prescription drugs, United Healthcare distorts its medical loss ratio, the lawsuit said. The tactic also inflates the flat capitation rate the state pays United Healthcare to manage care for its Medicaid enrollees by heightening these members' medical costs, according to the lawsuit. In another suit, a Justice Department from February seeks to block United Health Group's $13 billion acquisition of Change Healthcare, which questioned the independence of each subsidiary's operations. If the deal goes through, United Healthcare could use Optum's heightened data insights to glean proprietary information on how rival insurers structure their networks, regulators allege. United Health Group is challenging the lawsuits and disputes the claims. More than 1.7 million lower-income adults and children are covered through the Louisiana Medicaid program, Healthy Louisiana. The State Department began investigating its Medicaid-managed care insurers and pharmacy benefit managers in September 2021. State officials requested United Healthcare and Optum provide all communications and contracts between the two companies about PBM services in the state. The requests initially met resistance, delays, and incomplete responses, but United Health Group sent the documents to the Attorney General. And, however, 83% of the nearly 2,200 pages received were fully redacted, violating the terms of Optum's contract with the state. Regulators concluded from the information that Optum engaged in spread pricing, where it charged payers more than they reimbursed the pharmacy for a specific drug and retain the difference. Louisiana outlawed the practice in 2020 and mandated that PBMs operate a pass-through payment model, which means they derive revenue from a set administrative fee and return all rebates and discounts received from drug makers back to their clients. The suit alleged Optum charged the state Medicaid program for higher-costed branded drugs while giving patients generics. The PBM also charged a higher fee for generic drugs than the average wholesale cost, according to the suit. Attorney General Landry claimed that Optum also charged United Healthcare and other insurers for branded drugs while reimbursing pharmacies for lower cost equivalents, allowing it to retain the difference. 
The PBM also allegedly inflated the pharmacy dispensing fee to the state and clawed back rebates from pharmacies, but failed to pass those refunds back to Louisiana Medicaid. United Health Group, quote, exploits the secrecy that surrounds the real prices paid for drugs through the supply chain, as well as the complex system of rebates, reimbursements, and other payments to overcharge other payers for prescription drugs, not just the Louisiana Medicaid Department, the lawsuit said. The more these expenses are inflated and the less transparent the billing is to Louisiana Medicaid, the greater the illicit profits are to Optum and United, Landry said in the complaint. Litigation between the state of Louisiana and United Health Group will help expose the misincentives that lead to these types of wasteful business practices. The blockchain promise of disintermediating the middle people has not yet been fulfilled and will continue to see plenty of resistance from most insurers. What do you think about this story? Let me know via the Health Unchained website contact page or via my Twitter and LinkedIn social media accounts. Check out the show notes for a link to this article. I'll be following the story as it unfolds. And now let's get back to the conversation with Hadil Espa, CEO of Trial. Jumping subjects a little bit here, I'm curious about your token launch and sort of what the distribution of those funds looked like and just having an ICR, an ITO in your case. It's always an interesting experience because you have regulators on the security side and then you have to manage all your investors and expectations. How was your experience going through the... Well, it was very exciting on one hand and we have learned so much about the two worlds, right? So the crypto world and really the life science world. But to focus on the ITO specifically, we come from the clinical research arena. So we are very much used to operate in a highly regulated environment. And of course, we wanted to make sure, you know, that we continue to do that in the trial journey uh, because our reputations are at risk. And then we, as human beings, we want to do the right thing. So in our search for the best environment for an ITO, we looked at the regulations. I think we've been very transparent in how we've managed our ITO, the, the use of proceeds and the allocations to the different areas that would help, on one hand, grow the community. So I think we have a very active uh, community where, and this is just super rewarding for us, where we have a big chunk of trillions, as we like to call them, coming from the life science space, right? Being doctors, being professionals in clinical research, or having other affinity really with the area that we operate in. You know, versus crypto folks that look at it from more from, from a trading uh, perspective. And we think we need both uh, without an active community, without subject matter experts, without investors, we wouldn't have been here where we currently are today. I think it's been super important for us because it really enabled us to build this platform, the all ITO. And I think moving forward, we will now be building in functions where the trial token is being used as a way of payments, right? For all the software that we're offering to our clients. Uh, and next to that core utility, it's also being used for our P2P compensation. It functions to engage and incentivize community members for providing value to the ecosystem. And this can be the development, bug hunting, and it also allows us to set up a, a, a government system and loyalty programs like, like staking and memberships. And on the life science arena, it, it, it re has really helped us to create awareness that you can have a credible token or you can have a credible 
crypto project that is really being used in real life clinical trials. So I think that we've been able to convince a lot of, of the conservatism that is out there in the life science industry as it's new, right? There is also maybe sometimes this affinity that the crypto projects don't necessarily always survive in a highly regulated environment like clinical trials. So one heart at a time, one mind at a time, we're really convincing people that what we're doing is durable, it's transparent, and it really helps to solve the industry pain points on the life science side, but also on the crypto side. Right. And I looked at uh, your white paper as well. You went into the details about how the funds would be distributed. So that's very helpful. I think you've been you know, transparent from my perspective, at least. And it's always a challenge for companies to find their utility, their tokens utility, and it's going to evolve over time, I'm sure. It is interesting. I, I wanted to ask, do you require some of the users to use TRL, the token for some transactions? Because you mentioned they're using it for payments. Can they also use like other cryptocurrency or fiat money to execute those payments? Yeah. So as, as part of the onboarding process of our clients, we've really, really been thinking about this. So mm -hmm. we accept fiat payments. Uh, and then we convert those fiat payments internally to TRL uh, on behalf of the clients, because we really want to use TRL as a ways of payment uh, to also support the development of the token price, uh, because the token price will also help us if that increases. But then we're serving the crypto community, but we're also serving ourselves, uh, because then we'll be able to generate funds to support the development of new functionalities uh, within the ecosystem and really make it sustainable. Do you guys also like have a incentive, meaning like, is there like a discount for something? If you use a TRL token versus fiat, do you give them the option? So if you wanted to, you know, do something, make a task, it's 20% cheaper if you just use TRL token versus the fiat, because that's very effective. I've seen. Yeah. We may do this in the future. We haven't implemented that, that because the clients that we talk to, these are pharmaceutical companies, these large, you know, scientific institutes. They're not really ready to yeah. pay for services in, uh, in crypto. I think this will come. Uh, and so we have to be ready for that. But initially, I think to just demonstrate the proof of concept, to explain what blockchain is and really show the added value of this technology as part of their complex operational infrastructure, that's really the initial goal that we have on the shortest term. But I think it's a wonderful suggestion looking into providing discounts and onboard them quicker through using overall token, for sure, yeah. Yeah, and another important thing about blockchain is the governance of your organization. So can you talk a little bit about how it's governed and maybe if there's a foundation or how you know, you're interacting with different organizations? Yeah, so as, as you may have seen from our uh, white paper, we will be setting up a Toronto Foundation, which is an independent governing body looking over everything that we do here at trial and the main functions you know of that foundation is we want to have folks from the crypto world we want to have folks from the life science world we want to have a mingled panel that is advising us and, and also overseeing what the trial team is doing but also advising us in terms of unmet needs right specific functions specific projects that we should build we also want to use the foundation as a way to also give our community a very strong voice. I think we, you know, again, without the, our community, we would not have existed. So I can't give enough respect to our community and all our early supporters, and also hopefully the, the ones that will follow after this interview. But we want to make sure that we provide this, this, this transparent, 
way where people can give their ideas and where, you know, loyalty and membership is being rewarded over time. At this moment, we've really, you know, focused on, on getting our ITO done, right? We focused on, on getting traction with our first product. We've then looked at developing our roadmap over time. And you also see the foundation becoming, getting a more and more prominent role over time as well. What has been some of the feedback from testers, like beta testers and users of the platform? Just curious what they've shared so far. And I'm sure you're iterating on the product as you're receiving feedback too. So the, the first feedback is that where they initially maybe thought it would be very complex because the underlying technology is complex, the use of the product is really not. Eh? Just by, the, by one or two mouse clicks, you can basically log a document on the blockchain. And you can also verify whether the document has changed over time or not. So that is, I would say, very encouraging feedback to have from users. We are currently embedding our blockchain-enabled technology in other products as well. But the underlying theme is basically the same. Everybody wants to understand how difficult is it to use these kind of technologies. And we're now able to tell them, listen, this is a technology that is working under the hood. The only thing that, that is really affecting your work is that you get this immutable audit trail and, and, and have the capability to prove the existence of documents or events that you didn't have before. So the other element is really the patient facing aspect. There we have the CDS platform, which is really a, a strong mobile centered you know, group of functions. Eh? So, so again, the, the enrolling through this uh, electronic e-consent, e e the entering data from your mobile phone, et cetera, et cetera. This is all very patient-friendly. The blockchain-enabled technology is something that will not be noticed by patients because this is something that is being done on a more oversight level. Uh, and of course, the timestamping and the logging of these documents, this can all be automated to a large extent. Most importantly, I think at this moment, focusing on the proof of concept and further fine tuning, right? Also the user experience is something that's part of our roadmap too. Got it. Is there any sort of specific features that you've been hearing people wanting that maybe you don't have now, but you intend to add it to the platform as part of your roadmap? Is there like something that people keep mentioning? Oh, I wish you had this. So I think there is a need for a library of mm -hmm. APIs where you can just go and select the API that you need eh, to connect different data sets together in a way where it's seamless. And you also have a granular tool that is very granular in terms of what data do you give to which party. But in terms of concrete products, I think, again, patient centricity is, is a theme that's coming back. Now, to give you an example, the way we're currently informing patients in a clinical trial is quite outfashioned in many cases. So. If I would be a clinical trial, you would be an investigator, you know, that I would, that then you would tell me this is the benefits, potential risks. You would explain that and you would basically leave me to go home and be compliant for the coming two or three weeks and then check up on me. We think it shouldn't be different. We think that you should get information on, for instance, a daily basis or whenever I would need it, I would want to have information that guides me to what I need to do today okay? or tomorrow. So also on a much more granular level. And these patient engagements, application reference, you get a reminder, you know, that I have an appointment tomorrow, uh, what time I need to be there, that I need to complete 
this and this questionnaire. I had a, a reminder for when I need to take my pill, that I need to record that I took my pill, that and a date, a, a functionality that allows me to enter how I'm feeling today, did I have any side effects? So all these patient-centered, patient function functionalities, there's a lot of ground to win there and will certainly be a, a key of our trial ecosystem at the end of the day. I'm convinced of that. That's the biggest need. Absolutely. Yeah. Patient centricity, super important. And I think it's becoming more clear. That's the way to win uh, in this industry. I think over time, it's really still a challenge because you have to still accommodate the pharmas and the CROs because they're the ones that are primarily going to use it as well. My next question is more about your business model and how you're generating enough income to pay your employees. What is like the overall business model? So our, our business model is indeed centered around the TML token. So we have clients who are paying us for services or for access to our software. We're transforming that to TRL, right? And the more usage of TRL, right? The higher the value of the token, uh, the more funds we'll get to not only continue pay our employees, but also to keep innovating and building out the ecosystem. So that's really where our business model is being paid in TRL or fiat for the use of our SaaS platform. Where is the TRL token available? Yeah, so you'll, you'll have a nice reference on our website, www.trial.io. Uh, we're tradable at, at, at different DEXs. And yeah, I, I'd be happy to refer you there because we're continuously looking at opening new exchanges, but we also want to open at the right exchange, right? And yeah, this is something that's ongoing for sure. Yeah, and this is not an advertisement to purchase TRL or to sell TRL or anything like that. It's just a informational conversation. I'm just uh, was curious if there's any major exchanges that have been trading TRL. So can you talk about your partners? I know Crucial Data Solutions is a major partner. Can you talk about some other partners you have and then major investors that might be worth highlighting as well? Yeah, so we are super excited to have the partner at you know network that we have. I think a very prominent partner is a, is a group called CR2O. I'm also one of the co-founders there. I'm also the CEO of that group. And that's basically a contract research organization that is managing early stage clinical trials. And there we've really been able to test all the products that we want to build for trial and see how and where does our solution really solve and streamline clinical trial problems. So I definitely want to mention those. I also want to refer to our technology partners uh, like Spherion, uh, and they've really been in the blockchain engineering and development space for, I think, the past 50 years, so for a long time, and they're really bringing the blockchain, you know, technology in through our the, the chief uh, technology officer, Niels Klon. So they're definitely important. In terms of early backers, we have a long list of VCs and crypto savvy folks and angel investors also on a web list. In my humble opinion, they're equally important. It doesn't really matter how much they contributed, but the fact that they recognized the vision and they supported that for us, uh, super important. What I think also is important, although I can't disclose the name, is several talks that we have with the, with the absolutely le leading uh, research institutes. I expect that we'll be able to announce them in the coming four weeks or so. and. They're really interested in looking at blockchain for different reasons. On one hand, to help the patient journey uh, within their own hospitals, 
Uh, and by that, I mean match patients that have a specific unmet medical need with clinical research that's being done. So really to bring these two things together. Uh, and on the other hand, uh, also to have a means or an outlet to manage and coordinate clinical trials based on their own research ideas. Right, so being not dependent on external pharma or biotech companies or service providers, because if you can manage and, and, and organize your clinical trials in-house, then you also build the value in-house, right? Then you build the expertise uh, in-house. And at the end of the day, this can be very, very rewarding for, for different ways. So again, our website lists, our whole network, uh, I don't want to leave out anybody only saying that everybody's equally important. They just have a different role on how they support the trials or projects. That's fair. And thanks for sharing all that. How would you describe the company culture at trial? Are you all working remotely together? Well, um, just like everybody in the pandemic, I think we were forced to work remote. The core team is really uh, in the Netherlands. Uh, the Netherlands is a small place. So once we were able to leave our homes again, you know, we, we, we work in the office uh, as much as we can. It has a lot of value in, in, in my opinion, but we also have, you know, people sitting in, in Eastern Europe, in the US supporting our project. So I think we're really a global team here and the company culture is we work hard, but we try to make even more fun. That's one of the things I have on my job description, <laughs> I think, yeah, but most importantly, yeah. I think we're disruptors. Yeah. We, we look at the status quo. We have a big network of, of, of experts in different domains. And we try to bring our ideas forward in a way where we're hopefully being able to succeed as well. Yeah. It sounds like you're not risk averse as a, you know, you encourage your employees to challenge the status quo seems like. Uh, so what is the outlook for the rest of 2022 for the company? What are you looking forward to the most? Well, I'm looking forward to demonstrate and, and show the whole world that blockchain really adds value in a complex process like clinical trials. So we've just started that journey. And again, after the major announcements that we'll be making in the coming weeks, people will see that credible research institutes are also looking into this technology and also buying into that mm -hmm. in terms of allowing this technology to be part of very important research that they do. I'm very, very much looking forward to how that will pan out all the time. But the other thing is, is I'm very excited about the roadmap that we've set for ourselves and also the goals that we've set for ourselves. Where I want to head, we want to serve our crypto community by adding value to their investments in the trial token. For us, this is very important. And we also want to show that we really have traction in the terms of clinical trials. I think you had a very good question about, is our technology specifically fit for early stage clinical trials or late stage clinical trials? The answer is, it doesn't really matter. Uh, in our opinion, data is data. It doesn't have weight. It doesn't have color. But the more complex a clinical trial gets, uh, so the more countries are involved, the more sites, uh, the more added value it brings you if you can have this immutable audit trail, because then you can really focus on patient safety, patient efficacy, uh, rather than have to deal with administrative burden eh, or the so-called operational void. So yeah, I'm, I'm super excited for what 22 uh, you know has uh, in its store for us. There will be a lot of media outlets that we'll also be doing. I think, first of all, again, fantastic to be in this podcast with you here, but we'll be marketing more and more about trial, especially now we have announced the CDS partnership. So we're, there's a lot to expect from trial. 
Awesome. Yeah. Education is a huge part of this whole uh, ecosystem. And it's great to see other companies also trying to educate the industry on how this could work. I'm going to say three buzzwords right now. And I'm just curious to see your reaction on how trial might be implementing these three buzzwords, NFTs, DAOs, and metaverse. How is the trial incorporating these technologies, let's say, or, or applications? Well, NFTs, it, it's not on a roadmap, so maybe in the future, but not for now. There are some some, some exciting developments going on within the F- NFT sphere, but it's something to put on our log for later. What was the second uh, one, please? Yeah, sure. DAOs, so decentralized autonomous organizations, and then metaverse. So when I talk about DAOs, I'm, I'm thinking there are many organizations, Web3 organizations, using DAOs to raise funds for research or to... Um, allow researchers to share from or investors in research to share in some of the profits of that research, let's just say. So I'm just wondering if there's any sort of connection there with trial. No, not on the, in the foreseeable future, but we are working with different internet standard groups because they help us to, to develop verifiable credentials and, and digital identity. So we're collaborating on that front, mm-hmm. uh, but we've really not looked into teaming up with them to see where investors and these DAO companies can intensify collaboration. It's not something we've looked at. No. Sure. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot that you have on your plate already. So I was just curious and on the metaverse, so any AR or VR sort of applications in the foreseeable future? Well, the metaverse could definitely be interesting because again, if you think about it from a clinical trial, from a virtual Mm. perspective, then the, the metaverse would certainly be something that we would be looking at at the later stage. Because if you can bring all the parties in a virtual setting together, right, have the investigator there, then it could improve the quality eh, of the of the clinical trial. Patients like to get the attention they need. So if you need to log into a metaverse-like environment and have the feeling that you get better attention and better care, then it's something that uh, we'll certainly be looking to. Certainly. Very exciting what's happening there. Awesome. And now I have a few more personal questions we can get through and that'll sort of wrap it up. So first is what's the most influential book you've read? I think it's a book. I'm not sure how it translates in English. I think it's the 48 Laws of Power. And this is basically a book uh, that I've read uh, a long time ago and it uses history in a way where where you can use history to you know effectively collaborate or influence yeah? uh, or, or, or manage daily situations. So the combination of, of historical events that have happened in peace and war times and how two parties that were not aligned at the end of the day got aligned. That was very interesting and very appealing for me to read. Interesting. I haven't read that one. Thanks for sharing. The next question is, do you have a favorite business leader in history or now that's influenced you? Do I have a favorite business leader? Yeah, I, 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 I'm a big fan of Mark Cuban. He, he definitely inspires me. And the way that I, that I like about him is that he's so versatile. He does so many things and, and he's not afraid to speak out on what he thinks or different matters from sociopolitical matters all the way to basketball, for instance. So yeah, I'm a big fan of him for sure. Next question. What habits do you have to stay active and healthy? Well, being a serial entrepreneur and, and, and CEO of two companies feels something like an Olympic sport. Uh, so I try to stay active and, and work out 
as much as I can in the gym. But more importantly, really try to have fun. At, at times, for instance, where we were conducting the ITO, it was super busy, a lot of pressure on the team here. And, and nothing re-energizes or revitalizes the team if you could just crack a joke, laugh about it. And uh, it also helps when, when things get, get a little hot here to uh, still make sure that at the end of the day, you all walk away giving high fives and shaking heads. Got it. Well, thanks for sharing that. And Hadil, this has been such a pleasure. I learned so much about the trial platform and your journey started it. And I think it's important to also kind of highlight the importance of patient empowerment and data ownership. And I think that's key for clinical trials. And any final words for the audience? I just want to thank you again. No, thanks so much. It's been very, very fun and uh, uh, very informative. Thanks again for the opportunity to be at our podcast. And hopefully we can reconnect in the future and uh, tell you how we've been doing. And hopefully that our mission and our dreams have come true by there. Yeah, I hope so. And I'll be definitely following the company. I'm watching for new milestones. So thanks again. Awesome. Thanks so much. Hey, y'all, you cyberpunk health warriors and nimble digital disruptors. Check out healthunchained.org. And remember to subscribe to Health Unchained on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, and iTunes. Join the Health Unchained community on our Telegram group, t.me slash healthunchained. If you enjoyed this episode, tell your friends, your bosses, your teams, your students to listen and subscribe. Thank you.